Hey, would it be safe to say there's certain things you just got to make a decision about? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's certain things like you have to decide. There's some things maybe you don't have to decide, but there's some things you've got to make a decision about. I don't know about you guys, but when it comes to like birthdays or, or, or for some of you guys doing, doing all the Christmas shopping and all that kind of stuff or whatever it is, like trying to find the person the right gift. Like it's a tough decision sometimes to, to make. You know, I see customers come in all the time and, and they debate between tires or debate between a wheel or, or now we've even already started having people debate between lift kits and, and, and that kind of stuff now that we're expanding. And, but, but, but you just see that, that, that debate going on when there has to be a decision to be made. And, and one thing you could say about this is to not make a decision. I'm going to keep my feet off that so the lights work today. To, 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 to not make a decision is in itself to make a decision. Does that make sense? Because I want us to understand something. Because see, a lot of us, we know chapter 18 and we know Mount Carmel. And we just automatically assume like it was the people for Baal and the people for God. But it wasn't exactly that way if you listen. What it was was the prophets of Baal and the one prophet for God. But then the people were undecided. That's why Elijah had to tell him, you guys got to make a decision. You can't keep riding the boat. You can't keep trying to, to pretend to be one of God's people, but then do the things of Baal and, and, and vice versa. Like you don't get to mix it up. And if that's not a truer statement that we need for today with all the mixing up of religions and mumbo jumbo that we try to do in the house of God, I don't know what is. Okay. So when Elijah says this, this is a question exactly for us, guys, we are just like Israel. We're in a place, a lot of us are at least, where we have to make a decision. We've got to decide where we are with God. And I would say a lot of us, we're, we're very similar to Israel. Like we haven't rejected God. And I can prove that because you're here. You know, you wouldn't be here if you'd already rejected him. But we're not all in with God either. Like we're not sold out and fully committed and fully following. And, and we probably wouldn't have the faith to take some of the steps that Elijah makes and takes to do this. So so, so with that, I was going to pick on the people on Facebook and tell them, like, you weren't worthy to be here. So we we're going to cut you off and you don't get to watch chapter 18. Everybody's been waiting to get to chapter 18. Right? We're not going to do that. We love you enough or we care about you. And we want you to get it. So. We're at the end of three years, three and a half years to be exact. And if you open your Bibles or should already have them open, I hope as Mike told you, chapter 18, verses one and two, it says after a long time. You ever you ever been waiting on something for a long time? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you just been waiting and waiting and waiting. Now, we know from this and Chronicles and something that says a little later, really, it's been about three and a half years, three years and at least four to six months. So it's been a long time. Verses one and two. After a long time, the word of Yahweh came to Elijah in this third year. So the third year started. It's in this year. Go and present yourself to Ahab and I'll send rain on the surface of the land. Now, this is the message he gets. You got to get it because we don't get the answer to the message until the very end. Like we don't get the answer until we've already gone up to the mountain and back down again. All right. So at the very beginning, he gets the message. You go to King Ahab and you tell him like rain is about to come. Now, earlier, God had already told Elijah, like, you need to go hide. So the first thing, first little little cheap lesson you get right here, until you get a couple of them day now. First little easy lesson is sometimes God to tell you to hide, and sometimes God to tell you to go present yourself. You better be in tune with the Lord to know which one you're supposed to be doing. Because if you present yourself when you're supposed to be hiding, you're in a heap of trouble. Or if you stay hiding when you're supposed to be presenting yourself, you're gonna miss some big blessings. Now is the time for Elijah to present himself. Don't mix those two up. Don't mix those two up. And, and, and I'd say this. The time to hide, the time to be alone with God. I mean, we talked about all those lessons, everything. Then there's a time to present yourself. 
I wonder if some of us stay in hiding too long. And what I mean by that is this, and, and I don't even know for sure if this is the way it is. So I, you know, y'all know me. I stand there if it's 100% all over there, if it's, if it's Cliff's fault. And I'll stand right here, like if, if it's kind of in the middle, kind of in the middle. When I read this thing, cause he, he goes and meets, and this is why I love reading all of it at once. So we can kind of bounce around, right? So, so you guys know the story. So he goes and he meets Obadiah here in just a minute. Now, Obadiah is a guy who saved a hundred plus prophets, put them in a cave and hit them, right? They're hiding. But yet when, when, now, now Elijah knows this because he meets Obadiah, and I'm sure he'd already heard anyway, right? But when, when he stands on Mount Carmel, what does he say? I alone am the only prophet for God. Now you could take it, you know, that's why I stand in the middle. You could take it as he's saying, he's saying only alone because he's the only one physically there. Sure, maybe, I don't know. Or is he saying those knuckleheads in the cave been hiding too long? Like they should be, I'm not saying, I don't know, I don't know. But I don't want to be in the cave hiding if the Lord had called me to be standing on Mount Carmel with an Elijah. And I don't want you guys to be hiding in a cave if the Lord had called you to be standing up with, with whoever's standing up and speaking for the Lord. Because I think it's a crying shame the brother got to stand up there against 450 false prophets all by himself. Now, he's fine. He ain't got, there ain't no wavering in Elijah. Now, he wavers a little bit next chapter. There ain't no wavering in chapter 18, right? He's got it going on. He's full confidence. It ain't hurting him none. But even when you're strong on the outside, wouldn't it be good to have some people come up around you? I mean, wouldn't it have been awesome if he'd have been like I alone and then these hundred prophets that Obadiah done saved come walking on out the cave? You know what I'm saying? They walk up there to the mountain too. And Elijah just looks around like he was already this big, but like he's about to go to like the next level when he's getting those. You need some people around you that'll back you up when you got to stand up. You know what I'm saying? Like some of us can't stand up because we don't have the backup. But some of us, we, we would stand up a lot better if we had the backup. Elijah simply obeys God's command. And, and here's what's awesome. His prayers are sensitive to the leading of God. This drought, and I love what Elijah says here in just a little while when we get to it. This drought did not begin because of Elijah. It did not end because of Elijah. The drought came and the drought ended because of God. Okay, and he says that very, very distinctly in a couple of verses. Well, 36 verses later. Oh, so I guess not a couple of verses. Y'all see how many verses we got to go through? 45 all in all, right? So, so, so I'm glad it's raining. You ain't got nothing better to do today. Yeah, but, but at 36 verse, he says, this is the Lord's plan, not my plan. Right. Make sure it's clear. And I point that out because some of y'all want to go. Y'all want to go charge hell with a water gun. But the Lord didn't make it clear for you to go charge hell with a water gun. You go get your butt stomped. And some of you is too scared to go charge hell with a water gun. And the Lord's done told you I'm, I'm with you. Like I've got the endless supply of water. We got a fire hose. Let's go get this thing. But y'all not hearing the Lord either. So you're too scared to go. We need some faithful people. And that's Elijah. He's faithful. And all he's faithful in is obeying God and following God's God's will. So, so real quick, and we'll get to Obadiah, well, a little bit later in a whole other book, really, but a little bit here, too. But, but 3 through 14, Elijah meets Obadiah. Awesome man, God. Look at what it says in verse 13. Why Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord. Now, now we know from this and Chronicles and some other history, like, she's killed thousands of prophets of God. Like, that's how, how, how she's getting so bitter. I mean, you got to think, when, when your God is Baal, the weather God, and you're in the middle of a drought, after a couple months, you get a little man. After a year, you're real mad. At year two and in year three and into year three and a half, like you're furious. And that's where she's at. And when we're furious, sometimes we lash out against those that aren't necessarily on our side. So she's killing these thousands of prophets. And it says, 
And Obadiah, he had taken a hundred prophets. And we don't know if it's exactly a hundred or, or a little bit more, maybe a little bit more if there's thousands. But anyway, a hundred prophets and hidden them 50 to a cave. And he made sure to get enough bread and water to them. Now, I read over this first. I'm not thinking nothing about it, mainly because I'll be honest, I'm ready to get to some later verses. Right. But 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 when I go back and I look at it, here's what's awesome. This is a brave man of God that's standing for God. But he's working for the other side. Y'all didn't catch Obadiah is working for who? King. Ahab. Isn't it good when God's got an inside man? I mean, is that not cool? Like I had to go back and I even wrote it. Down. I said, God got him an inside man. Like, like when God, you, you guys get so worried about the election and about this and, and all the rules changing here and the rules changing there. I, I just want to know, God's got an inside man or an inside woman. I don't want to be sexist, right? Like I don't care who he's using. He's got an inside person, right? He's, he's going to make sure what needs to get done gets done. Thousands of them are dying, sure, but we've got this Obadiah guy who, who is so brave, he snuck off, hidden these guys in a cave, and who knows how often he's got to go back and feed these guys. So does it like a one-time experience? I believe he had to go back to that cave and feed him again and again and again, right? In the middle, might I mind you, of a drought. So how much harder it is to get supplies when you're in the middle of a drought? How much harder is it to give away the supplies for a hundred plus people when you're in the middle of a drought? Just for you note takers, Hebrew name Obadiah means worshiper of Yahweh, servant of Yahweh. Now you would think that'd be weird for this king to hire that. The king Ahab's kids have names related to Yahweh. Like, that's how indecisive he is. It's that woman that he gets with that messes him up. You know, so being unequally yoked, there's a lesson there. Spurgeon has this cool quote. It says, account for, uh, I'm sorry, account for it how you may. It is a singular circumstance that in the center of rebellion against God, there is one whose devotion to God, talking about Obadiah, was intense and distinguished. As it is horrible to find a Judas among the apostles, it is so grand to discover an Obadiah among Ahab's couriers. What grace must have been at work to maintain such a fire in the midst of the sea, such godliness in the midst of iniquity. Man, wouldn't it be cool if somebody wrote something about that, about, about you like that? You know what I'm saying? Like we always talk about there's some Judases in the group. But wouldn't it be cool if somebody was writing about you being an Obadiah in the group? I think it'd be great, man. Verse 7. So kind of kind of going back now, now that we see where Obadiah is. Verse 7. Now Obadiah was on his way and suddenly Elijah met him. God's got a plan and a setup for everything. So in the middle of this drought, Obadiah gets with King Ahab and he said, you know what? I want you to go with me. And so he's got this drought that forces them to go out. You know where they happen to go out to? Well, it tells us suddenly they went out to suddenly where Elijah was. God has arranged this meeting, right? But, but look at what it says. Searching for pasture land because he's worried about his horses. Just to show us how evil of a guy this is. He's not sending out people to look for food, to look for water, to look for supplies, to look for a new place to move or anything like that. He's not even worried about his people. And when we stop getting worried about people and start worrying about our things, that's when we get in some trouble. This guy's worried about horses. He's worried about his mules, his stud, and he cares. What's he? He's trusting in his chariots. Remember, there's a lot of warnings about the Old Testament. Don't trust in chariots, trust in the Lord. He had lost his trust in the Lord, so now he's trusting in chariots. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. You might not like this, but I'm a, I'm a, this is going to be a biblical way of saying it, okay? So don't don't get mad. I'm just a fair warning before we even get there. Don't tell me nothing at the back door. I know you're not going to like it, okay? But I was reading one translation, and it said, you know, talking about his selfishness again, it said he wanted to send him and Obadiah out and look for the mules and the asses. 
Now, here's what I got. Now, I'm keeping it biblical, right? He's so worried about saving his ass that he can't go out and save his people. You, I mean, you see it. I'm telling you, that's exactly what is going on in this right here. He's worried about some horses and some animals before he's worried about people. How often is it you and I get so worried about stuff? So worried about stuff that we forget it. I didn't realize how blessed I was this year. God, now we, we kind of do Christmas different than most people anyway. So anyway, that we're not getting in any of that or, or any of that, but, but we went and we were, we were getting stuff for the homeless and, and we were, which was really cool by the way, cause we had spent this, this X amount of dollar. I, I don't care. 400 bucks, right? That's what we had spent. Not, not just hours, but like money that had been accumulated. And, but when, when, when we were ringing it up, the boys like that self checkout, right? So we're going to get them a job at Walmart in the future and they'll be good, right? So, so they're running through this thing. They get to 440. I'm talking tax total at 439 and some change. If somebody had given me an envelope that I didn't even know what was in it, you want to guess what was in the envelope? 40 bucks, 220s. <laughs> it was so cool, man. I was like, what? You know, stuff like that amazes me. But anyway, so we do that and then we ring up our personal items that, that we, you know, we were paying for out of our own money. And, and, and you know, we're running up that bill and, and whatnot. And, and one of the boys, I can't remember, I think it was Paxton, he goes, Dad, how much do you spend on us for gifts? Now, now he was just curious. I said, not this much. <laughs> so, so, you know, just so you know, the homeless rank higher than you rank, right? But, but here's what I mean by being blessed. We're so blessed. Like me and Chris were sitting down the other night trying to figure out like, what was we do like to, to give them gifts? Not just because of a holiday, because they, they're our kids. We love them. Like they, they, they've earned it. They did a good year, right? And all that. They don't even have like a wish list. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they don't. They, they got people asking like, what can we get? It's not because they got a lot either. We live in a double wide trailer, okay? So don't be thinking, oh, the pastor's backing down so much. They just bought, no, no, that ain't it, okay? We we get our hands dirty every day because we need money, not because well, I like my job, so I can't lie about that either. But, <laughs> you know, anyway, but 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 that was the cool thing. Like, I realized how blessed we were. Like, we, we, we haven't put gifts in an order they're not supposed to be in. And you guys that do this stuff right here, you haven't either. When you're willing to, to make sacrifices on your own stuff, so that, so that you can get other people's stuff. When, when you're willing to drop something in, in that box back there, you know, that, that maybe it hurts you to drop. I don't know. I mean, I know COVID has changed some things for some people in their income. So, but, but when you're willing to go above and beyond, you haven't put, I'll keep it nice for you biblical Baptist people, right? You haven't put your butt ahead of anything else in people, right? Ah, that's a good lesson. Good lesson. That one's free too. We ain't even got to the sermon points yet. All right. So Obadiah, Obadiah, here's what he knew. He's been working with the king, so he knows how this works. He knows that King Ahab had, had already constructed many searches to try to find Elijah. He knew, because remember what Elijah told him. Remember, if you, I hope you guys got your Bible open. You got to remember what Mike read, right? Obadiah and Elijah meet Elijah says, hey, take me, take me to meet King Ahab. Can you imagine the guts of that guy, right? Hey, the guy who wants to kill me, arrange us a meeting. Where, where's your bodyguards? I ain't got none. Like, I'm rolling in just like this by myself. Right. King, but, but Obadiah is so worried. He goes, man, if, if I go, cause he knows this is faith. Now this is audacious faith. Right. And we're going to see a lot of audacious faith here as we go on. Audacious faith. Obadiah says, yeah, but if I go to tell Ahab and the Lord just like takes you up, like he's so confident God's going to protect his own that he fully believes like beam me up, Scotty. Like, like zoom, like Elijah could just disappear and be gone. And then who's going to be in trouble? Obadiah, because if you go to King Ahab and say, Hey, I got the guy you've been looking for that caused this drought. And then you go to that guy and he's not there like you're you're in trouble. But Obadiah, so, like he's so faithful, like he says, God, may, like, just take you away from Texas. So so Elijah assures him, verses 15 to 16, that's where we're at. Elijah assures him, Obadiah, I'll be here. 
Like God's t- called me and told me to go meet with Ahab. He's not going to beam me up or anything else and make me disappear. Like I'll be right here. So they meet in verse 17, just like the unruly jerk of a ruler that he is. Look at Ahab's first words. Is that you, troubler of Israel? Is that you, the one that's caused all this mess that we're in? And they kind of get in a little bit of a contest. You know, like when you're warming up for a fight, a little bit trash talking going on, right? So, so, so Elijah goes back and he says, no. I'm not the one that caused it. You're the one that caused it. Man, I'm the one that caused it. You, you ever seen your kids fight like that? You cause it, I cause it, we cause it, you cause it, they all cause it. Yes, you're all going to bed early. Good. All right? So, so, so he does this. He doesn't hesitate to blame the prophet of God for the problems of Israel. Then Elijah comes back. Verse 19. Calling it, calling it like it. Now, here's what I love. I'm going to try to stay calm. I really am, right? Because I don't want to spill too much. At verse 19 is where you start to see something that blew my mind. Do you ever realize who calls the shots in this whole chapter? Elijah, like the dude who's by himself <laughs> is telling the king what we're going to do. I mean, did you catch that? That's awesome, man, because he's standing there and he's talking to the king. Verse 19. Now, therefore, I want you to send and gather all Israel. Tell them to come on up to Mount Carmel. Like I can't gather them, but you can. But you know what? I can tell you what to do because God told me what to do. I mean, th- this is like <laughs> this is cool, right? This one single outcast, this refugee, because that's all he is at this point. This challenging king Ahab and given all the commands. He says, why are you gathering all of you? Why don't you gather all the prophets of Baal and Asher as well? Don't forget. We all think about the prophets of Baal. You forget. He, he called out the prophets of Asher as well. David's too chicken to even show up to the show. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they, they didn't even make it there. All right. So so here it is. And, and, and here's what's going on. Here's what you understand. And again, don't miss verse 36 on the screen just so you get it. I know it's out of order, but you got to make sure you get 36. At the time of this sacrifice, so this is when verse 36 timeline is, but the important part is this. Elijah the prophet approached the altar and he said, Yahweh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are the God of Israel. I am your servant and that I am doing your word. Elijah didn't come up with these ideas. He didn't have a cool plan. He's doing God's plan. All right. I say this because some of y'all be wanting to jump off bridges and God didn't call you to jump off that bridge and you get yourself in a lot of trouble. Okay, you only do stuff like this when you've been led by the Lord to do stuff like this. Okay, don't get it out of order. And it's important to confront all these prophets because God, what he said at the very beginning, verse one, go to Ahab because I am going to. They didn't get it. So you tell them, what is it? If I did dollar bills, they'd have got it because it's money related. Right. Who's your God? Huh? So so, so, so he said, I'm going to make it rain. So before the rain comes, though, he says, I got to get rid of all these guys and make sure you don't understand who this is coming from, right? So verse 20 through 21, Elijah challenges Israel to make a decision. Same challenge, I said it, that we got for today, right? He gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel, and he's got, now these prophets hate. This is like Jezebel, you know, even though Jezebel's team didn't make it, because she's, she's really the biggest supporter of Asher, right? They don't even make it. These people right here, they're just like her. They hate Elijah. I mean, you think, you've been telling people for three years, oh, we worship Baal, God of the weather. We'll get him to send the rain. No rain. Oh, he'll send rain tomorrow. No rain. Well, he he's going to send rain eventually. No rain. No. So they are mad at Elijah, right? They're really upset. Really upset. Verse 21. God calls him. You got to get this, right? They've humiliated. Elijah humiliated them. He's humiliated the priesthood, which is man-made anyway. Verse 20. How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord God is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. Isn't it funny that God will just tell you, like, if money's going to be your God, go follow money. If sex is your God, go follow, go follow sex. Right? If beauty is your God, go follow beauty. You know, we get so upset at Old Testament stuff about all these idols. But have you ever looked what all these idols were for? 
fertility, production, gifts, uh, pleasure, hmm, power. Is it not like you and I have the same gods today? If we're honest with ourselves, get your little church face off, right? I mean, don't we love power? Don't we love money? Don't we love stuff? Don't we love provision? Don't we love sex? Don't we love anything that makes us feel good? We do. We do the same thing they did, right? And God's telling them, it's about time that you pick between the two because you don't get God's not going to settle for divided devotion. He's not. He's not looking for divided devotion. He's looking for the real thing. And you ask him, how long? How long? How many more sermons you got to hear? Maybe that's for today, right? How many more Sundays you got to roll in and waste time? How many more warnings? How many more sicknesses? How many more ringing of the bells? How many people got to die? How many graves are going to get up? How many family gatherings are going to get messed up? Because you hadn't realized what's going on. How many plagues am I going to have to send? How many pestilences am I going to have to send? How many cities am I going to have to ravage before you realize I am the God of truth? And then the saddest thing, man, ever at the end of verse 21. But the people answered him not a word. There, there's not even an objection to what he's saying. You, you know, you get to a point where, like, you're in the wrong, and when you hear somebody tell you, you, know, you at least object. Like, you don't even know what you object more, and you got no right to object, but you object. Oh, no, that ain't really the way it is. They so far gone, they can't even object. There's no repentance either. They lack the courage to defend their position or even change their position. They're weak. They're weak. And Elijah could see it in their hearts. He could see he could see their action based off their responses. Like they didn't have to do anything. He knew because of their response. I know you're not decided because you're not decided in practice. And when you're not decided in practice, you're not decided in action. God, I hope nobody looks at believers you know, and thinks that, right? Verse 22 through 24, Elijah says, well, here's what the test is going to be. And Elijah says, no, notice this, write this down, make sure you understand it, nothing else. Everything Elijah does gives Baal the advantage. You know what I'm saying? Like, like everything he does is to give the other team the advantage. I don't know about you, but when I'm picking teams, I pick it for me. I pick to win. Like, I don't like losing whatsoever. I'm going to stack all the odds in my favor. Right? Ba- uh, uh, Elijah? All the odds go the other way. Look, look, if he starts with it, verse 23. Why, why don't you let them go pick the two bulls? Now, they understand the rules. You get to go pick the two bulls. And I'm also going to let you pick which bull is yours and which bull is mine. So you know as they went out there to pick these bulls, right, they got like this little teeny, because all the deal is is the, is the sacrifice got to be ruined, right? So they get like this little teeny bull, you know, and it's worthless anyway, money-wise. So you're not losing nothing, and they give that to themselves. And then they go pick like this giant overgrown bull that's got like weird tumors growing on it and all kind of problems and and it don't look right and it don't sound right and it, you know all this stuff and, and he gives that one to Elijah's side every single advantage goes to Baal's side and then he says this and the God who answers by fire he will be the God and he makes this little stipulation a lot of us don't get he says I don't want no man-made starters there I didn't know what that meant so I did a little bit a little bit of digging and a lot of the, 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 the temples and the sacrifice sites for, for other gods, they had like tunnels under them. And they would hold up a starter fire to go under the sacrifice, hold up a starter fire. And the way they would know if their God responded was if the wind came and took that fire. So you like set your God up for like an advantage. You know what I'm saying? Like all that's got to happen is a little bit of wind. And it looks like God did something real. Our God, lowercase g, did something real cool, right? So Elijah tells him, look, I know your little tricks. Right, you're not you're not you're not going you're not going to call out the little tricks and try to fool anybody. You don't even get to do your little starter fire. The only fire that's going to come from this thing is going to be divine, supernatural, and origin fire, whether it be from your little god Baal 
or Yahweh the real God. So he's given all these advantages, all this stuff, even to the point of, do you remember who the, the, the specific veil that he's fighting? He's the weather God, right? You know what they called lightning back in the day? Fire from the sky. So it's like, you tell your God who's the fire of the sky God and let him just send down some fire. Like he's the fire of the sky God. Sure, he can do it. So I guess he's kind of like Thor at this point, right? He said, you call Thor, make him bring the, the lightning bolt down. And then y'all didn't think he was going to have Thor in scripture today, but you do, right? So, so you got it, right? It's thought to be fire from the sky, sender of lightning. He's going to send this thing. Everything is set up for him, right? And you got to put yourself here, guys. I don't know if any of you put yourself in biblical situations. I, I do because that's what I really understand, right? You are Elijah standing on this mountain. You by yourself. Like the only reason Ahab even let you be here is because he's thinking he can embarrass you, right? These 450 guys, the only reason they ain't killed you already like they did all the other prophets is because they're ready to make an appearance in front of everybody how much more awesome their side is than your side. You're by yourself and you're making calls like that? Like you've now got yourself and you've now got God, not just you, but you've now got God like on the pedestal. Like everybody is looking to see like what's going to happen, right? That's the audacious faith. So audacious. Well, I can't get there. I can't get there. I can't get that part of that order. I might get something out of that order. I'm not going to get that out of that order, right? Elijah learned this faith when? Well, in his years of dependence on the Lord, right? He learned it when he was waiting at the brook for, for the birds to bring stuff every morning. He learned it while he was at the widow's house. Well, you could write down this way. His training has paid off. Your training will pay off. It's getting your training for getting something ready, something bigger and something better. Verse 25 to 27. Prophets of Baal, they, they pray for fire from their God. Now, I got it. You guys give them a round of applause for real. I'm dead serious. This, this to me, this to me is like some of the denominations outside and some of the practices outside where people are more devoted to their beliefs than you are. That should hurt your feelings, by the way. It was meant to. Because they're so devoted to something that's not real, and we miss devotion to what is real. Look at this devotion now. This is this, this, These people are awesome. Could you imagine if we got people for God fired up like these people are? They prayed from morning till noon. You ever prayed that long? They're going to keep praying, by the way. That's just a stopping point for Elijah to come in and talk some trash. Because he's going, they're going to finish praying until, until later, right? Oh, Baal, hear us. Devoted prayer. Like they're praying long. They're praying with great passion. Yet their prayer means nothing. Because the same verses also tell us that no one answered their prayer. You could say it this way. Devotion to the wrong thing does nothing. You can be as devoted as you want to. But if you're devoted to the wrong thing, it does nothing. Verse 26, it gets a little deeper. And they leaped about the altar which they had made. I wish we'd get some believers leaping. I really do. Right? The, 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 the prophets of Baal, they had this energetic prayer life, enthusiasm and activity. And I, and I want you to write this down. Please don't answer out loud, right? What hoops are you jumping through for the idols you worship? Because that's what they're doing. They're jumping through hoops now trying to get their idols and I'm going to prove who your idols are here in just a few as we go through this thing too, right? Because you can notice no matter how enthusiastic you get, if it's directed to the wrong source, it does nothing but wear you out. If you're doing all this, maybe I should have said that the whole time. If you're buying stuff and spending money and shopping and all this stuff, even if it's for other people, if you wake up every morning to open your Bible because you think you're more religious and, and you spend hours in prayer, which is really just mumbling the same mumbo jumbo crap, over and over again, but it's not for the real reason, a devotion to the Lord, it ain't going to do nothing but wear you out. That's the difference in religion and a relationship with God. That's the problem with religion. It'll wear you slam out because your motivation is for the wrong thing. 
It's to get your brownie points with God. It's to get your checklist done. God ain't into checklists and brownie points. Okay? He's into grace and mercy. All right, look at, look at how long this thing goes. There's a lot of useless activity that goes on in churches that accomplishes nothing. Too many believers want to brag about how busy they are, but they ain't accomplishing nothing in their busyness. All right? Verse 27. Had to get to it. You know it was coming, right? It should be on the screen. Here's some cool stuff right here. Verse 27. At noon. Remember now, they didn't pray since the sun went up. All the way to noon. And Elijah is finally. Here's what I really think happens. I stand in the middle again because there's speculation, right? Because of what goes on in the whole scene. Here's what I really think happens. I think these people woke up. They started praying. They got everything set up for their altar. Da, 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 da. They sliced up their bull and, and put him out there. And they started praying. And I think after about four hours, the people that came to watch this show was getting bored. You know what I'm saying? Like they done fell asleep. Some of y'all done, you know, y'all ain't falling asleep. I'm in here just because I yell out, right? I'll make sure of it. But, but it's like some churches like that. Like you done fell asleep. It's so boring. There ain't nothing going on. Da, 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 whatever, right? And Elijah looks around about lunchtime. He goes, I'm about to go get me a snack. And while he's looking around, he says, hey, everybody's asleep. Like, they done missed the show. He says, I'll wake him up. He says, hey, shout a little louder. Maybe your God ain't got his hearing aid on, right? For he's a God. Maybe he's thinking it over. Maybe he's still in debate over all this time. Maybe he has wandered away. Now, you got to get to the Hebrew here to get what he's really saying, all right? That phrase, wandered away, it literally translates into he has gone to a private place. Any of you guys go to a private place? You usually go as soon as you wake up in the morning and as soon as you go to bed at night. And some of y'all go like every 30 minutes after that, right? Uh-huh. Have you been there? In case you don't know what I'm talking about, he says, is your God on the john? Like maybe he cut the fan on and the fan is so loud that he can't hear you. Like maybe like he's straining too much and, and, and he's so sidetracked. That, that, that he's got his own stuff to deal with. That's what he's saying. I'm not making it up, guys. I promise you. Check it out in the Hebrew, okay? He's gone to his private place, right? Or maybe he's on the road. Now, that translation actually goes into, like, vacation is where we would get a word from. Aren't you glad our God don't take vacations? <laughs> right? Elijah's thinking, well, if he ain't on the john, you know, if the fan ain't sidetracking him, Maybe he went on a trip. Like maybe he's on vacation with the family and he's coming back, right? Perhaps he's sleeping. I'm so glad my God don't get tired too, right? Perhaps he's sleeping. Maybe he got so tired, so wore out because he's been trying to start this fire and he couldn't. See, my guy don't get tired because all he's got to do is boom, fire, speak it, boom, coming, right? Right? Maybe he's so tired that he's sleeping. And if you shout a little louder, maybe you'll wake him up, right? Now, it's one thing to be mocked. It's one thing to do the mocking. But when the mocking is truth, the other side don't argue with it. Because I'm thinking like, oh, he's about to start something now, right? Like they're going to come back and we're going to actually get a real fight instead of this God fight. They... Nope. 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 They know what Elijah's saying is true. So look at verse 28. Verse 20 says, they decided to cry a little louder. They listened to the enemy. Are you seeing what's happening? Elijah is calling all the shots. He tells, hey, you need to cry a little louder. So they cry a little louder. Like, how bad off you got to be before, how dumb do you have to be to miss? I'll just switch sides, right? I'm already doing what the guy's saying anyway, right? So they cry a little louder. Then they go deeper. This is when you get into some more of the pagan practices you need to, need to study up on, right? They cry a lot. They cut themselves because it was a custom. Man, you imagine like, oh, God ain't did nothing. So like you pull out your knife and, and like you just 
you cut yourself so deep and you continue to cut it until like blood would, would pour out. And you would think like that would appease the God, right? It says with knives and, la- and lances until blood gushed out from them. Now, again, give them a round of applause. I'm serious. Because they're devoted. My God, what would happen if some believers would get this devoted? Real believers. Right? Am I right? Don't. You know it. I steal it from voting. But if you can't say amen, you ought to say ouch. I got to give him credit because that's the greatest line ever, right? This is it. They're so sincere and so devoted, so committed that they're cutting themselves to make this thing happen, right? Here's the problem. They got zeal, but they got no knowledge. You can have all the zeal in the world. It will profit you nothing if you don't have knowledge. Zeal without knowledge is useless. Maybe that's the point. You can write it down. That sounds a little more like a sermon point, right? Y'all know I like to. No, I don't really. But anyway, right? You can be sincerely devoted to the wrong thing. We said it may go. Verse 29. But there is still no voice. Dagnabbit. What, what do you do? Like, I'm trying to picture these guys. I can put myself in Elijah's shoes. I can't put myself in their shoes. I'm like, man, I just tapped out, right? I prayed for four, six hours. Ain't nothing out. I'm not cutting myself. I'm not shouting any louder. I'm not. While one guy is laughing at everybody, I'm not going to become part of everybody. I'm just going to join up with him, right? Right. But this is where they're at. But there's still no voice. No one's answered. No one pays attention is what verse 29 says. The sad result of worshiping an imaginary God or a God that you created is there'll be no response. You worship all those things we talked about. There'll be no response. Now, verse 30 through 35, we're going to get a couple more lessons to it. We've got to get through the whole story, right? Elijah starts to prepare his altar. And again, I think after however many hours they cut and cried louder, I think he was chilling in his chair. I picture him like, I don't know if this is right or wrong. Right, so I stand in the middle because I don't know, I don't want you holy people to tell me at the back door that was kind of sacrilegious, right? I picture him like Uncle Sai. Y- y'all know Duck Dynasty? Y'all seen Duck Dynasty? Because why? Because because prophets had to have like the long beard, you know, and he had him a camouflage rope on, and, and Uncle Sai is kind of like chilled and lazy. You always think he's got alcohol, but he's just drinking sweet tea. At least I think that's what it is, right? So so you picture Elijah? What is it? Un- unsweet tea. Oh dear God, we got to pray for Uncle Sai. I didn't realize that part of it. Who in the world do any of you drink unsweet tea? Oh, thank God. I thought we were in a holy church. I just wanted to clarify it, right? So, so, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send an email or something, right? So, so, so you got this guy though, but, but long beard. Oh, somebody does. They got pointed to there. Too ashamed to answer it. They're probably a Yankee, right? So, so they, they got, they got this long beard. He's right up in his catalog, right? But he's just chilling in the chair. Like you watch the show, right? Uncle Sizer is always chilling. He ain't never really working. He, he's a trash talker, right? So, so he's throwing out some trash talking every now and then. And then finally come the end of the day after they done cut themselves and, and cried louder. And all the people, because no matter how much yelling you do, if you do a lot of, you ever been to a ball game where like people yell and there's nothing going on? I don't know if you guys like watch sports like I do. Maybe this isn't a good illustration for everybody. But like when you go to an event and people's yelling, but nothing's happening, nothing that you think should be happening, it gets kind of boring. Like, I, I remember telling, Bax and I have watched uh, some games before we sit there, like, what are they yelling about? Like, what are they excited? That kid did nothing, right? And, it, it, and of course, he didn't do anything because he's not my kid. But, you know, for real reasons, he really didn't do anything. We watched the pros, and it's the same thing because now they got these recordings to play. I think that guy pushes play at the wrong time half the time, right? But but you go to, like, like a car show or something, and everybody's gawking over this one thing. You're like, that's that's nothing. Like, that, you know what I'm saying? That, that, that ain't it. Like, I've seen better already. Once you've seen better... <laughs> it takes a lot to raise the bar, right? 
So, so everybody has now, no matter how much they're yelling, everybody's going to fall asleep again, I think. Oh, well, hold on. Sorry. It doesn't say they fell asleep, so I'll stand here, right? I, th- I think they zoned out again because here's what it says, for, uh, verse 30. Verse 30, Elijah says, hey, guys, come here. Very sorry, right? Come here. Maybe he pinched a baby. I don't know. Maybe he said, hey, it's time for you to whine. Let's, let's get it a little louder. So he did that, right? I don't care, right? I think there's a lot of babies probably one. But but he does that to get everybody's attention back because he's thinking, you done missed so much, you're not going to miss what's about to happen. Right? You done missed everything that don't matter. I don't want you to miss what does matter. That's pretty good. I like that, right? Verse 30. So he says this, after he says, come near to me, he, he repairs the altar of the Lord that was broken down. He's repairing something that once stood for something. Now, this is awesome. He sets up the 12 stones, which we've studied through Joshua and all this, you guys better know all that. I better not have to take time, right, to go in there. So, so he's doing all this. He's getting everything set up. Elijah's looking to revive something that once was. Y'all remember, who grew up in like old-fashioned church? Like 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 biblical preaching church. So don't tell me you went like one of the snake handlers. and like, like I don't want you excited about that kind of stuff. I want you excited about the word of God, right? But you remember like when we'd, we'd had like a little tent revival? And it did like... Like, it'd be rolling. You know what I'm saying? Like, it'd be rolling, rolling. Like, you knew you had done something and God was there and all that kind of stuff. Elijah wants to revive something that once was. I wonder if we need to remember what once was so that we can get revived for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like so that we can get the, the, the fire going. He remembers the impact that those that were on fire for the Lord made. He wants to revive what once was. Maybe that's some of you guys. Maybe you've been in church for so long, like you've lost your flame and your fire. And this part right here is just for you today. It's time to revive what once was. You know what I'm saying? Like this year is over. Some of y'all saying, well, January 1st, I'm going to read my Bible every day and start my diet. How about let's start January, what is the day, 20th? How about let's start January, I mean, December 20th. We in a whole other month. My point is this. I don't care what day it is. Let's start today. And doesn't the Lord say make today a day of salvation? Doesn't he say why not today? I don't know what we, we get this thing at the end of every year, like there's power in January 1st, right? Huh? I don't get to brag on her often. Well, I, I don't choose to brag on her often. I guess I could, right? But, but, but y'all you, you want to compliment Shay and all the way she lost? You know what she's going to be doing on January 1st? She's going to be eating everything she want to eat because she done lost the weight. You know what I'm saying? Like she done fitting in the smaller jeans. So now she's going to fill them out, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She ain't got to. Some of y'all, y'all be like, you know what she's going to do on January 2nd? Well, she does this little cleansing thing, so she's probably going to do that. But anyway, <laughs> y'all all going to have to be starving and she's already going to be on the road rolling. Why don't we do that spiritually? Why wait till January 1st or January 2nd or January 3rd or whatever? I'm going to get my marriage right in the new year. Get your marriage right today. You could have some good. No, hang on. I know we mix company. Sorry. I paused it. There's good breaks. You saw them. Yep. I got it. Let's move on. Hey, verse 33. I'm going to get in trouble just for even pausing. Just so we know. Uh-huh. Verse 33 to 35. It's one thing like, y'all ever been like the little kid who knows you're getting in trouble when you get to the car? <laughs> it's me. Yes. Lunch. I know what I'm getting yelled at for. <laughs> 33 through 35. I'm not going to miss any of it, even though we got to read it, right? Next, he arranged the wood. He cut up the bull. Who knows how big, how mighty it was, how ugly it was, whatever. He placed it on the wood. <laughs> then he says... You gotta pick, I'm not laughing about the other thing, I'm not laughing about this. You gotta picture the scene, right? Hey, let me get some volunteers. I wanna know who volunteered. He's by himself, he ain't got no teammates. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, like one guy from the other side, y'all missing it if you ain't getting it, right? One guy from the other side was like, nothing happened so far. Let's try a new thing, right? Like his enemy has to go fill up the water jugs, right? So they coming back with the wheelbarrow full, right? Of water. I think they had minimum helpers, right? And they're all wondering, like, what, what do we do? Like, what? We about to start a fire. When do you use water to start a fire? Well, when you start the fire by faith. Right? Right? So he says, I want you to fill it up. Oh, that's not enough. Do it again. Do it again. And then I think now personally, hold on, let me get back to my spot. I think personally, he goes, you know what? With that little boy at the widow's house, I had to lay on him three times. Go get me a third thing of water. I think he remembered his training. You know what I'm saying? I think he said, you go get the third one because I remember one time I had to lay on a little boy three times to get him to be resurrected and come back to life. So get a third one. I don't even know where I'm at. I can't read, right? And they did it a third time. They did it. They're still listening. Elijah is still calling all the shots. I don't, if that doesn't amaze you, like you need to just get up and leave. I ain't got nothing for you, right? I, I don't feel bad if you leave. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I'm preaching for the Lord, right? So, so water ran so much around the altar that it filled that trench they dug. Remember the trench that, that Mike read about? It, it's so much water. This bowl is soaking wet. The wood is soaking wet. The ground is soaking wet. And there's a trench filled with water around this thing. The odds are forever not in their favor. <laughs> right? Now, now, here's what you really got to miss. You better have this one. All right, you can miss some things. You can't miss this one. Here's the significance. I've, I've never even thought about this part as many times as I've read this chapter. Okay, guys? Some of y'all are holier than me, so you probably already got it, right? He's asking them to bring what? Water when they're in the middle of a drought. He's saying, I want you to bring your most prized possession the thing that matters most to you while you're in the middle of a drought, and I just want you to dump it on the ground. I'd ask him if he done lost his cotton-picking mind. Dude, we ain't had water in three and a half years. You want me to dump it on the ground, on the wood, so much so that I'm going to fill up a ditch? Some people's probably getting straws and drinking out the ditch. I don't know. Maybe that's a picture to have, right? If God's going to do something big in your life, he's going to require something big from your life. Make sense? Like, God don't do nothing. They do their part, right? What they they thought they needed water. What they actually need is the fire of God. That, that might be for some of you. You think you need this and you think you need that. No, what you need is the fire of God. I hear people talk, well, I just need to get clean. I just need to stop this. I just need my marriage. I just need my kids. No, what you need is the fire of God. Because if you get the fire of God, all the rest of that stuff will work out. He'll fix it all up. I promise you. Okay? Now, I can preach a whole other message just on three verses, but I'm not going to. Because you only paid for how many verses? How many lessons are we on? Five, six? I don't know, whatever. Right? So I'm thinking, I forgot to pay. Yeah, so did everybody else. It ain't a big deal. Right? 36 through 37. Eliza's prayer. I, I love the prayer, guys. You want to learn how to pray? You know, Jesus gets examples of it. Elijah sets this thing up because Elijah only thinks, cares about two things in the prayer. He wants the people of God to get on fire from this. When you start praying for other people, oh man. Right? But he also wants to make something real known. You got to catch it. Verse 36. Let it be known this day that you are Yahweh, God of Israel, and I'm nothing but a servant. Because, see, you can start doing some cool things. And maybe that's the problem with some of these bigger churches. Preacher be preaching a cool message and he'll forget who he's preaching for and he'll get the glory. Right. I tell you, right now, don't give me no glory. This is all for the Lord. I don't have time to prepare real messages. They got to come from God. I'm just being blunt and honest with you. Right. 
So this has to come from the Lord. That's what he says. He says, I want the people, one, to realize that you are Yahweh, praying for other people. And second, I want to make sure they understand that you are God and I'm just a servant. Don't get, don't get anything mixed up, right? And I've done verse 36. We already looked at it again. And I've done all these things at your word. I didn't come up with these clever plans. It's sitting me trying to be cocky in front of other people. This is you and your plan. I'm not trying to get glory. You get the glory. This is my cleverness. This is yours. I, I don't have any presumptions. You've commanded me to take this walk. Don't you presume on God. Okay? Don't you presume on God. Verse 38 through 40. Of course, Yahweh answers. How, how long do you think it was? Now, we don't know. How long do y'all think it was? I think he didn't finish the dot on amen. <laughs> I know y'all Baptist people like y'all got to pray with amen and a dot at the end, right? I don't think he finished the end on amen before the fire engulfed everything up. Now, here's what I love. How long was his prayer? You better get it or I'll pause longer. I really don't care, right? What was it? Short. What did he pray, 30 seconds? You can read it. Look back at it. I think I can read it in about 15 seconds and I'm a slow reader, right? 15 seconds. Some of y'all think you've got to pray like these long, audacious prayers to get something done. Elijah prayed 15 seconds and because it ain't how you pray, it's who you pray to. They prayed all day long and got nothing. Because they was praying to no one. When you pray to no one, you get nothing. The only thing God can't do is nothing. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> Somebody write that down. I need that for later. I like it. Right? <laughs> Fire fell. Fell where? Down. Y'all went camping, right? Now, well, hold on. Y'all went glamping because I know you got a camper. All right. Let's clarify. Let's clarify because I know some of y'all. All right. Did y'all at least start a fire? Oh, <laughs> Megan, you kick him to the altar in just a minute. All right. Cliff, you went camping a week ahead of them. Tell me you set the stage right and did a real fire. Yeah. No propane, Nate. Huh? Hey, when you started the fire, get, like walk us through it, like quickly, because they'll be telling me I preached too long. Which, by the way, doors ain't locked. But anyway, go ahead. No, get out of spirit. I want the real thing. What you did? I want a spiritual. Right? Like, how you start a fire? Like, what you do? Oh, you lit a match. Oh. Hey, you ever notice anytime anybody else started a fire, so you can picture this thing in your head? Not with propane, huh? Right, a real fire, a man fire, right? You ever notice fire's got to come from, from down to up? You notice that? Like, e- e- even like if we own the burn barrels across the street over there for, for Turkey, we, we lighten it, we blow, blow it at the bottom. Get them little holes, right? You get, you get it blowing up. What does scripture say? Now, the wording, you can't, that's what I love about Hebrew. You guys miss a lot of it when you don't study it right, right? Hebrew, like, direction is everything. Like, they don't play around. You're not going to assume nothing. Like, there's a Hebrew word that says the earth was round before we knew it was round. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's like, oh, God knew it was round. Wow. Big surprise. He made it. Right? It shouldn't surprise us. Like the, he- the Hebrew don't leave no doubts. What did, what did the Hebrew say? It fell. My God, I ain't never seen fire come from the top down. I see fire go from the bottom up when it's man-made, right? That's cool. You're like, that's it? That's it. That's all I got, right? I just thought it was cool. If you missed it too bad, right? You missed the blessing. Huh? It's cool. Elijah's petition though. Less than a minute, then it gets dressed. Verse 38. <laughs> I love when God shows off. Right? I love when God shows off. The fire of the Lord fell and it consumed. Oh, sorry. The fire of Yahweh's fire fell and it consumed the burnt offering. That's all it was required to burn up. Don't you love when God does more than he's required? Which sounds weird because God's not really required of anything. Understand that. 
But but he does more because he burned up the, the burnt offering. Then it says he burned up all the wood. Well, hold on, Pastor. They dumped a bunch of wood on. I mean, they dumped a bunch of water on it. Yeah, he took care of that too, right? Then it burned up the stones. Y'all got any like fancy fire pits at your house? We got one that we've never used. And by fancy, I mean I bought a bunch of, of granite rocks and put them in a circle. <laughs> and I even put wood in it. And now it just fills it with water because I dug the hole and put an old 18-wheeler rim at the bottom that I cut. I put a lot of work into it for us to never use it. Um, but anyway, <laughs> people do that with stones because they don't burn up, right? What is it? Yahweh's fire fell, consumed the burnt offering, the wood, and the stones. It burned up so much. <laughs> some, some of y'all, when you burn a fire, like you had to clean up. I don't think there was no cleanup because it says it also burned up the dust. Right? Like we bad about dumping the ashes out of our burn barrel, so like we destroy a burn barrel. Thank God we get them either for free or like ten dollars, so we just throw them away when they're destroyed rather than emptying them like you're supposed to and 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 all that. I don't think there was any 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 ash left to be dumped because it says it burned up the stones and it burned up the dust. And then if that wasn't enough, it started licking up water out the trench. Now if you was one of the people, I told you you got to picture things the way I do, right? As sick as it is. If you wanted people down there with a straw. Drink it from this trench because water is in a drought, right? And then the water starts being sucked up to the fire. No, give it back, right? It's gone. It done consumed everything beyond the expectations that were there. God goes beyond your expectations. Verse 39. Now, when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they started shouting, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Instantly, they, they knew. Now, if you remember back from two two or three weeks ago when we first introduced Elijah, you guys remember what Elijah's name means? Oh, come on, you biblical people. Right? What, what's, the, what's the Hebrew? Elijah means Yahweh is God. Right? Oh, you got it. What are they shouting? No, what are they shouting? Oh, I thought you got it. You didn't get it. What are they shouting? You got it. They're shouting Elijah. Elijah, 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 Elijah. But Elijah can walk off the scene because they're not shouting good for him. They're shouting for what he means. Right? They're shouting Yahweh is God. Yahweh is God. Yahweh is God. I just thought that was kind of cool and free for you too, right? Huh? So here, here's some real quick biblical lessons we get to the last five verses. You're thinking, hold on, we stopped at 40. We're not going to stop at 40, I promise, right? We're going to fly through 45, 41 through 45. Here it is. Characteristics of a false God. Remember the big picture. Big picture of lies to prove that God is God and no other guys. So these are just just point lessons. I'm not even going to go into them, right? Characteristics of a false god. False gods require strenuous dancing to please them. Now, now here's what I meant about earlier. I was going to show you something, right? Your false god, whether it be popularity, money, beauty, uh, whatever it is, it's going to make you a slave to it. It'll make you a slave to it, right? It'll start killing you. If beauty is your thing, you'll be a slave to Zumba, I guess, right? Whatever it is, right? If friends is, you'll be, you'll be surrounded with time or whatever it is. False gods push you toward destruction. What did it say they had to do? They started slashing themselves, right? Because they're always requiring more. What do you slash yourself with that's become your God? Maybe for some of us it is a diet when you slash yourself. You get yourself so depleted you can't go on, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe for you it's stuff. So you overwork yourself so much that you've missed out on your family so that you could get stuff. Maybe money goes with that too, right? Maybe you've compromised your integrity because all you care about is success. What are you slashing yourself with? Right? You slash yourself. You can say it this way. You want to know what your idol is? Look at what you dance for. You want to know what your idol is in your life? 
Look at what you dance for. Look at what you slash for. Look at what you destroy yourself for. And that'll answer it for you. The gospel is so different than other religions, guys. Other religions say what? I obey, therefore I get accepted. I hope you understand this. The good news, the real good news, it reverses. It says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. I obey because I'm accepted, not to get accepted, right? Huh? Whereas false gods mutilate you. What, what did our God do? He, did he not cut himself for us? Right? So much so, and you want to talk about like people who get it but don't get it? In Luke chapter 9, which is only a couple chapters after what we looked at last week with Jesus preaching about Elijah, that very first sermon, which I think is powerful that he chose Elijah to preach his first sermon on, right? Verse uh, Chapter 9, the, the, they go to this, this town, and the people don't accept them. And the disciples, or the apostles, whatever you want to call them, right? They're so in tune with things. you got to give them credit because they knew, knew stuff, right? They actually asked Jesus, hey, you want us to call down fire from above? So, you know, I was thinking like Elijah and Crystal says, no, it reminds me more of Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you not think the point is the same? They were calling down fire from above like Elijah did to do what? To destroy people that were against them. Now, you would think Jesus is like, yeah, let's do it, right? No, nah, Jesus says, you knucklehead, you done missed it all up. He rebukes them, it says. He rebuked them. Because here's the point. Christ was not, Elijah was not Christ. Christ was the sacrifice. Right? He brought down the fire so that the fire could, could, could go into us, right? Now, now here's where we're at. Last five verses. Last five verses. This sets us up for next week. I'll still be done in 10 minutes, I promise, right? Five verses. In the chapter 18, here's what he says to Ahab. <laughs> I'm sorry, you got a picture again, man. I don't know if you guys have got it, right? He says Jay, at the very end, there's a sound of heavy rain. Y'all ever like talk to somebody you think is crazy? I'm being serious. This guy is crazy. Because there ain't no cloud in sight right now. There's no rain falling, but what does he say? I hear the rain coming. Does faith sometimes not see things that you or hear things that you can't see? Right? So 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 here's where we're at. The word of God comes forth in your life, and here's what you need to understand, right? There will not be immediate change in your situation. It's going to first produce a change in you. God doesn't need to change your situation. He needs to change you. How you handle the situation. How you approach the situation. How you deal with the situation, right? And, and a couple things on coming out of a drought. Now, some of you think, I'm not in a drought. My bank's okay. I, my marriage, I'm not talking about them droughts. Because what I've learned is sometimes things on the outside can look pretty good, but it's a drought on the inside. Right? And, and I point this out and I go ahead and tell you so you don't get spoiled here in about five minutes when I'm done. This is a setup at the end of this chapter to take us into chapter 19. That, that's all this is. So I, I will keep you hanging on a cliff every week with Elijah. Right? I love it. All right? And we will cut it at, uh, Facebook off of the door. No, I'm just kidding. We won't do that. Right? Here's what he's doing. He's coming out of the drought for, for, for stuff on the inside, right? Y- y'all, y'all know, here's my first thought. I got to confess to you guys. Some of y'all call some of Facebook posts. I don't post a lot. But anytime you see the church, it's normally either me or Beth or Christmas or two. But anyway, if it sounds choppy, it's me. If it sounds professional, it's the ladies. Right. So so, so, so I, f- I first woke up this morning. I was mad that it was raining. A couple reasons, just to be honest. My boys got an all-star game today. So like, why's it got to rain? And I got to sit in the football game. I got to mind playing in the rain, but I don't want to sit in the rain. Right. So there was that. But then the other thing, and, and here's what blows my mind, is people get excited about rain sometimes. As a pastor, you never get excited about rain, especially you Baptists. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the minute the first drop falls out the sky, half of y'all ain't coming to church. Now, I'm, I'm talking to that half, I guess, because y'all here, right? So, so you guys overcame the, the half thing. But my God, I get so mad. I'll be like, oh, the rain, it sounds so good. It's so peaceful. Yeah, it's so peaceful. It sounds so good. So people stay in the bed and they don't come to church. 
So, so that I was just being honest. That was my first thing. Then as I sat down, I had my, 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 my cup of black rifle coffee made by veterans and tastes awesome. It really is. I'm advertising. You got that? Yeah. I'm advertising for that now, right? They don't even pay me to endorse it, right? So, so, so I got that going and I opened the word and I'm sitting by my, by my window. I keep, keep my stuff for Sunday morning when the kids are in the back and Crystal's either in the bed or in the shower right by this window. And I look outside and like I see the rain dropping and I just happen to look to the end of the chapter. I, I do stuff out of order sometime on my, on my mornings, right? God made it rain outside on the day he's going to end the drought in the chapter we in. So rather than getting all upset, I had to say, God, you bad. Like you straight up showing off now. Like you done changed the weather, right, to make it match what we're going to preach on. Right. So, so but here, here's what he gave me. Rain. The conditions of the weather and how they affect you depend on your expectation. I got upset because my expectation was, oh, these knuckleheads ain't going to come to church. I, I, I got all hyped up about Mount Carmel and ain't nobody going to be there to, to hear it and, and, and whatnot, right? That, that's junk. My expectation should be for God to do something mighty. If you got seed in the ground and rain comes, you're kind of excited, right? Uh, some of y'all ain't never been in a drought long enough that, that you don't get excited when the sound of rain comes. But I'm talking spiritually now, guys. Okay? Some of y'all want it to end right at 12 o'clock. Because you ain't never been thirsty enough that you needed the extra 10 or 15 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like some of y'all probably need, some of y'all probably need an extra 30 to 45 minutes if we was going to be honest. Okay. The storm will only reveal the real foundation. It's all over scripture. Because that's all it's going to do. Right. We ought to be shouting like I'm ready for rain right now or something. Right. So, so, so here, here's, and I was going to title, title the message. It says he becomes a refugee to a rainmaker. He's a refugee guy. He's hiding because he's caused this drought. And now he's the guy making it rain. Notice that transformation. Where are you at today? Right? Like you, you some of you are refugees. Some of you are, are going to be a rainmaker, right? He's got the skills to survive. He knows what he's doing. He's doing this thing. And God has provided him in some, some of the strangest ways. The birds at the brook and dropping off his breakfast and, and all this. And then, and then a widow and, and all this. And some of us, we, we keep telling God how he can. He can't bless us. Right? We keep telling God what he can. He can't do. Some of us, I, I used to do this. So I know some of you do it. Or maybe y'all holier than me and you ain't never did it. I'd wait on like the certain worship song to get ready. You know what I'm saying? How dumb is that? What if God wants to do something different and you don't need a certain worship song to get going? You just need any worship song to get going. Right? Like I, I was sitting there and I'd wait on like, I'm not doing it to the, like, what do you mean you're not going to do it? When the Lord kicks you in the butt, you're going to move. You know what I'm saying? You don't get to tell me when you're going to do it. Maybe God wants to bless you in a different style or something, right? All right, let's get, let's get back to the last verse because I told y'all five minutes. Paxton, we got to be fast. Come on up here. All right. We got to be quick. We got to be quick. So y'all know, y'all know this section. All right. So, so Ahab, Ahab, Elijah tells Ahab, Hey, go on, get something to eat, get something to drink, take a nap. What does Elijah do? He don't take no nap. No. Hey, you shut up. Nobody's talking to you. Right. Your part's coming. Right. Well, he goes to Mount Carmel to do what? Pray. He's I'm gonna go pray. All right. In the middle of that, it makes you wonder what he heard from God. Right. Cause in the middle of that, it gets him a servant. I don't know how the dude already, he done went and killed all the false prophets and down at that brook, made it back to Mount Carmel, told Ahab it was going to rain and got him a servant when he was all by himself originally. Elijah is on the move. You know what I'm saying? I wonder if it was one of the guys that towed the wheelbarrow of water, right? You're thinking, what wheelbarrow? It was a barrel of water. Yes, I know what it was. We didn't give in, so we got wheelbarrows, right? So, so, so I wonder if it was one of them guys. Maybe it was. So this is him. So he gets him a servant. He says, Hey, I want you to go to the, to the, to the other side of the mountain. I want you to see. If it's raining. Tell, oh, no, I'm sorry. He doesn't even say it. I spoiled it. I'm sorry. I want you to go to the other side of me. I want you to tell me what you see. Now go. You, didn't up, you ain't up here just look good. 
Now, hold on, hold on, hold on, stop. I'm serious, y'all laugh. You got to walk real slow. See, y'all, we done read the cliff notes. Mike done cheated and told us the ending, right? Stop. You walking too fast, Bo. What, somebody pay you to get the service over fast? Just slow down. Man, I want you to move fast on the foot, but stop. I'm talking, right? Now, now here's why, guys, you need to understand this. When you go to look for something that a prophet told you to go look for, you sprint. Right. But when you come in back with bad news, remember, y'all know the ending already. Right. He's coming back to tell Elijah what? I don't see nothing. Right. But when you come in back, hold on, you got to set it even better. This is, this is way better. You coming back to tell Elijah who just killed 450 prophets. <laughs> we forget about the timing of this thing, right? He done slaughtered 450 prophets down at that brook that he used to get fed at. And now he come back. So this guy done killed four. This is one bad motor scooter now, right? Like he's the man, right? He done, he's like Rambo on steroids. And he's praying. He's a praying Rambo. All right. So I know y'all people right now, y'all like, oh, Rambo's really? Yes, this Rambo is. All right. So, so, and now you got to come back and tell him, I picture him coming to tell me like he got a bad grade. <laughs> he, ain't got, he ain't got no bad grades. Lowest average is a 98. That boy's smart. Gets it from his mama. Hey, tell me what you saw. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Is he right? He's right. Go again. Don't don't miss the don't miss the little parts of, of verses where he's got to do this again. Oh, now he's got he's walking slow. He's got bad news again. Right. He's got bad news again. All right. They know you're walking slow. Speed up the process. So Gigi, don't get mad that we run it late. Right. What'd you see? Is he right? He's right. OK, go again. I got any scientists in the room? <laughs> she studied rocks. <laughs> I need somebody who studied like the weather. I need a meteorologist. All right? Hey, what'd you see? No. Nothing. Go again. What if God's only message for you today is go again? Would you keep going? That one's free too. Don't worry about it. I ain't charging you for that one either, right? So, so why he's coming? Y'all keep telling me he's right. So here's my question. I'm not a meteorologist, but I did study for the sermon. Right? When he, what'd you see? Get out of here. Go again. I'm sorry. The words go again. Right? When he keeps telling me he's seeing nothing, y'all keep saying he's right. Is there really nothing going on over the sea? Because see, when I checked it out, and again, no meteorology degree, so this is the Google Cliff Note edition, right? When I checked it out, it said that molecules Start forming and wrapping things up and stirring and hooking together and, and, and shaping and making everything on the conditions. Got to get the conditions just right. So it looks like nothing's going on. Some of y'all need to get over invisible faith. That, that's your biggest hiccup right there. You got invisible faith. When he said, I see nothing. Elijah didn't say, oh, dang. Well, I guess I was wrong. Go tell Ahab he better stop. Right. Don't tell him to eat. Don't tell him to get a snack. Like telling you would get with him later. Right. What'd you see? Okay, go again. Right. I hope you count. Oh, <laughs> so you got all this stuff happening. Right. So something's happening even when you see nothing. 
You understand that, church? All right? All right, come on back faster. Let's go. What time? What, what number are we on? We're on seven. Oh, good. We're on seven. <laughs> they ain't been counting you either. What cheat? Right? Compromise your integrity to get the point across. I just said it earlier. Right? So That's so wrong. <laughs> go one more time just so we're not sacrilegious. Oh, you didn't see nothing good. Go again. Hold on, hold on. Here, here's where it does change. Maybe this time you go come back a little faster because seventh time something happens. You know that back corner is getting mad the slower you take it to get this done, right? What'd you see? Oh, oh. You saw something. It was only as big as your hand? Huh. Well, we overcame invisible faith because we kept going, right? You know what you got now that you got to overcome? Insignificant faith. Because when you say I saw something small that was nothing but the size of my hand, what does that mean? It's too small to do anything. We're in the middle of a drought. What's a cloud the size of a man's hand going to do? Right? Some of y'all need to overcome the insignificant things. Right? But you know what Elijah does? God, I hope y'all don't miss this, man. He says, I'm going to do exactly what I picture happens right here, right? What'd you see? This is time number seven. We just re- we, we rewinded for you so you get a replay. Right? Now you got the replay. What'd you see? So, so, this is my hand. <laughs> yes! Yes, 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 yes. Hey, go tell Ahab he better get on the horse and he better haul tail because the rain is coming. It's going, what do you say? Look at the scripture because I don't have it in front of me. It's going to be so heavy. He's not going to be able to see what's in front of him. You ever driven in rain like that? You ever driven a chariot in rain like that? Me neither. I have no idea how crazy that would be. But that's what Elijah's going on and on about. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stay right there, John. Or whatever who you want to be, whatever the apostle's name is, right? So Elijah's going crazy. Yeah, woo! I don't think you heard me right. It was just a tiny Elijah. Oh. Y'all think Elijah stopped? No, because indescribable faith you can overcome. Sit down, man. Thanks for being a good example. Right? Huh? So, so he gets past insignificant in, 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 in faith by living it out. He says, oh, when nothing was happening, all the molecules were forming that you just couldn't see. And now when everybody, you know, some of y'all need to understand your small things. Are significant. Right? I, I don't know if you guys called it. God lines stuff up so, like, he lines stuff up so awesome, right? So last week I ended telling you guys about John Mark Marmillan who wrote that, that great song that, that we closed with about feeling God's love and how that sounded really good, didn't it? Like, isn't that like a good feeling song? But do you remember how it started? It started what? It started with him mad at God because his friend died. There's some small things that start out in a sucky way. Right? I'm grateful for some sucky starts. And I can tell you straight up, like when we was at the manor house and and pastor had left and and it was a, hey, you need to preach because nobody else is going to. And I did it one week just because people wanted to hear the gossip. So everybody was there. And then the next week after they knew all the gossip, you preaching to like eight people and four of them, your own family. That's a sucky start. You know what I'm saying? I'm for real, man. That's a sucky start. Like you, you begin to think like I prepared the same amount of time and the same prayer for you eight knuckleheads as I would do today for 800 that's online checking stuff out, which is crazy, right? We got 800 people watching online. That, that's just weird, man. Um, but anyway, like, like, like what? I thank God for the sucky starts, right? Go again, go again. Would he have kept going again if he didn't have this training? Right? 
He had his training to keep on going the seventh time. It's not invisible anymore. It's now insignificant. And here goes verse verse 44. I butchered it when I said on the seventh time he reported there's a cloud as small as a man's hands coming out from the sea. And I just said, go until Ahab to get the chariot ready and go down in front of the rain so the rain doesn't stop him. Like it's about to be so much rain, his chariot is going to get bogged down. He didn't get the four-wheel drive chariot. He didn't go to Bill's Enterprise and get big mud grips. Like he's in trouble. Right? Right? You ought to celebrate something. Even when it's small, you ought to celebrate insignificant things because here, here's the thing. The devil will get you to stop because he'll get you to think it doesn't matter. What, what if the prophet, uh, prophet servant would have came back again on the seventh time, even though there's a little cloud out there and he'd be like, Oh, it was nothing. He'd had to go eight time, I bet. <laughs> right. But, but, but he didn't. He, he said, man, that, that, that small thing was, was something you, you, you can say it this way. This, this is pretty good. You see what you're searching for. You see what you're searching for. You, you ever wanted a vehicle real bad? Like, I don't care what vehicle it is. Like a realistic video. Y'all don't come out with no Maseratis and, and, and Lamborghinis and all that stuff. Like like an F-150 or a Bronco or, or, or an Explorer. I'm just telling you the things I want. Right? Sometimes, a focus. So, sometimes, like, when, when you want something real bad, you start seeing it more. You know what I'm saying? Like, I never saw the color of our Explorer, which is kind of why I picked it. And I was so excited. Like, oh, we got our own color. I see them everywhere now. Every freaking Explorer is metallic gray Ford edition. Right? And I'm like, why are they? Ever? You know you know what it is? It's not like Amazon or Google, you know, infiltrated the world and put a bunch of those color Explorers around us. It's my perception. It, it's what I'm keen on, on seeing now. What you're keen on seeing, what you're searching for, is what your attention's for, and that's what you see. Do we understand that? What, what are you seeing? What's your attention directed toward? The devil can't keep God from making it rain, but he can keep you from seeing it. Right? He can't keep, the devil can't keep God from making it rain, but he can keep you from receiving it. And if it's been dry for far too long, it's time for God to bring some rain, right? Maybe I should ask it this way before I even say it. Not are you ready for the rain, are you ready for all that the rain brings? Right? Because the rain going to bring some problems when you've been in a drought that long. There's going to be a lot of mud. There's going to be a lot of muck. There's going to be crops to harvest. There's going to be weeds growing. You're going to have to cut grass again. Like a lot of stuff comes with the rain, right? Or maybe it's not that God's calling you out of the drought. Maybe God's calling the drought out of you. Huh? Since we're talking about spiritual stuff on the inside, right? Would you have enough faith to face down the enemy on Mount Carmel and call down fire? Would you have enough faith to overcome that invisible thing on what you can't see? Would you have enough faith to overcome the insignificant faith, right, on what doesn't matter? Or would you have enough faith, this leads us into next week, on overcoming the intimidation? Because the next thing is intimidation that you got to overcome, right? What are you running to? Look at, look at the very last, very last thing. So it says, the power of the Lord was on Elijah. He tucked up his mantle under his belt, his man dress, in case y'all don't know what that is. Right? Because you don't want to run with a man dress on your trip over it. And it said that God gave him extra power to run ahead of Ahab. Well, what's Ahab driving? What's the chariot pulled by? Can you imagine this dude right here running when he run past Ahab? Like, I, I he already caught a little bit of trash. So I, I picture like he did a little song. Yeah, Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, as he's passing by... I see you suck a head, right? I'll raise you a, a, a faster uh, run for 14 miles. So 
why scripture had to make it clear. It was a supernatural power that came over to make this possible, right? Now, here's what you got to ask yourself, and I'm going to try not to go into it, because, again, this is all a transition for next week. What are you running to? Or what are you running from? Right? Do you understand it? When your faith gives you the ability to overcome fear, whatever it is, you've got to decide, am I running towards something or am I running away from something? Elijah starts to run so fast. I mean, it just blows my mind that he runs past a horse and chariot, right? Like, I can go in. I'm going to go in right there next week a little bit more, but let's transition, right? He, he runs so fast that, that, he, that he gets ahead of the very thing he just prayed for to come. Some of us are running so fast we're ahead of what God is answering our prayers with. Are we running to something or from something? Let's pray because I'll preach on chapter 19 right now and y'all never get out. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the extra minutes, Lord God. I thank you for, for what you did. I thank you for setting up the weather. I thank you for setting up these verses. I thank you for setting up things in our lives right now to this very day, Lord God, that match up so much with what's going on with Elijah in this series. And now I pray, Lord God, more than ever, that you just open our hearts, our eyes, and our minds to see it. Let us see what you're trying to do, Lord God, so that we can respond the right way. Let us see your plan. Like Elijah said, Lord God, let us see what you're working out so that we can be obedient to follow it. God, I pray that you make us courageous enough to stand up, to get wet, to shout, to cheer, to see something. And even when we don't, to keep on going. For it's in your great name we pray. Amen.